Welcome to the library, Wanderer. Our rules are three. Respect your fellow patrons. Do not damage the library. Return your books on time. You'll need a card to check out, of course. See the front desk for that. It should be just under a week's journey from here. You'll have to give the archivist your true name, but don't worry. We'll keep it under the strictest levels of security. Oh, and stay away from locked doors. There are places here where even we will not protect you. We would like to extend a special thanks to our associate producers, Dr. Theron Sherman, Sogapple, Adrian, Ethan Childers, Uncertainty Crossing, Angie Oriana, Cameron Schaus, Lisa Person, and Salem. What you are hearing is the result of their generous support. Now please, sit back and enjoy The Journal of Aphromos Long Journey. Marday, 23rd cycle, 7th year, 81st turn, 75th day in the trees. This place seems to grow cramped, more closed in. Torn says it is no smaller than it was yesterday, or the day before, but I still feel as though the trees are closing in on me, as though there was not enough air. The stale air seems too thick to breathe. I wish I had a wind, or some sunlight, or even another animal. We hear things, yes, we hear things moving, but never in reach of the lamp's light. Worse, we are beginning to run low on oil. If we do not find our way out of this cave of trees soon, we will be lost in the darkness. Torn occasionally says some bit of doggerel and cracks a smile, but it is a fragile cheer, forced and artificial. He has not truly sung since the sun was banished by the thick, cursed branches that twist and knit themselves above our heads. We stood this morning for nearly an hour, where a small beam of sun made it through the branches. When it vanished, blocked by the branches overhead, we nearly came to despair. Occasionally we hear the warbling yips of the eyeless creatures that haunt this place. Bats flutter about, occasionally catching in the loose webs that hang from the trees. Their high-pitched screams take on a new intensity, then, until the spider arrives to end it. The screams kept me awake last night, as I tried to sleep. I would be almost asleep when I would hear them, and their fluttering as they tried to free themselves. I found myself hating them, praying the spiders would kill them quickly. What is this place doing to me? I think my senses are playing tricks on me. Today, I was holding the lantern in front of me. On the path ahead, I looked at my shadow on the ground. It was a moment before I realised it should be behind me. Then, and I am sure that I saw this, it fluttered off the ground and flew into the darkness. Was this another magic? Or some strange beast? Or am I going mad? Some sort of spirit, perhaps. Possibly a related phenomenon to the Tattergast, though presumably less dangerous. I also imagine I hear things muttering just beyond the limits of our vision. I can make out no words, just a low murmur. The sounds of an animal, 
I could almost swear there was intelligible speech behind it. If I could just listen closely enough. But they always move away before we can get close enough. Sky Day, 23rd cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 76th day in the trees. There are people out there, we now know. They step carefully, for there are very few traces, but they made a mistake. We moved slowly for what must have been an hour, and then ran forward. We heard them scatter, but they were not expecting us to move so quickly. We found an area where the leaves had been disturbed. There were footprints. We moved other leaves and found more. They seemed to be two-legged, from what we could see. Their feet are long and widen quite a bit toward the front. Their feet end in long claws that dig into the soil and pierce the leaves. I imagine their feet are very rough, or else the worms that crawl among the leaves would give them problems. They are never far away now, since we found proof that they are out there. Occasionally we can make out a word, though we do not know their meanings. Caretza, you might hear. Or Scaphis. What are they thinking? Are they angry? Are they afraid? What will they do? Fortunately, they have no intention of entering the light. I think perhaps they are sensitive to it. Perhaps they have large eyes to be able to see in this place. Once again, I must say it's a pity Aphromos was not a proper naturalist. She had an excellent mind for observation and deduction. So that gives us protection. Until the lamp runs out, at least. Rock Day, 23rd cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 77th day in the trees. The creatures are closing in. Now we can hear them quite well, though they speak very softly. We see the occasional glimmer of light from their eyes, or, increasingly, from bits of metal on the ends of poles. Spears, I suspect. Their bodies are not large. Though their feet are larger than Torn's, they stand only as tall as his chest. They stand hunched over. Their shoulders seem very large, though I cannot tell if that is natural or if they wear something over them. An hour ago, one gave a loud, tail-curling scream. I puffed up involuntarily. It is fortunate that Torn made my robes loose. They did not make that sound again for half an hour. What is it? A war cry? A warning? Or is it some strange greeting? No. If this were simply a greeting, they would not have come in such numbers, armed with spears. I wish I knew why they were doing this. Are they angry? Frightened? Or merely hungry? If I knew, perhaps I could convince them not to attack. Torn has taken from his pack a club made from a dark, heavy wood. I have the dagger given to me by Twisthorn. If they attack, well, we will not go down alone. It is small comfort, but at least they can be sure they will remember us for some time to come. The lamp is growing dimmer now. We thought to build a fire, but this place is so dry Torn fears that it would create a blaze that would overtake us. We cannot get a fire to light. There is only enough oil left for another hour's light, no more. Then the darkness will cover us. 
Then will we learn their intentions. Tresday, 23rd cycle, 7th year, 81st turn, 81st day in the trees. It is good to write in my journal again. Indeed, it is good to see my journal in the light of day again and not have to grope around in the darkness. It has been four days since the lamp ran out of oil. We thought that we were in for a terrible night. Indeed, we were, for the Kapalan believed we were demons sent by the Light Ones to destroy them. The Kapalan were, of course, the people whom we were so afraid of. We did not know that, of course. We only knew that, when the lamp died, we heard them rush forward, all of them screaming at once. And then they stopped, barely ten feet from us. I was right about their eyes. They can see in the darkwoods, though they have no knowledge of colours. But they still could see us well enough, once they were no longer blinded by the light, and they saw the bracelets we wore. I still don't understand the significance of the bracelets, but it had a powerful effect on the Kapalan. They immediately began to rush around us. They started to make conciliatory noises at us, coming forward with empty hands. When they realised we could not see, they guided us to their camp. We were suspicious at first, but they were not attacking and we decided it would be best not to fight at that point. Besides, they had already taken our packs with them. There was only one who spoke the trade language, an ancient Kapal, who had to be carried there in a litter. Srebek explained that the bracelet signified, among other things, that we were Hreshalan. A Hreshal is one who is followed by strong forces, or as he put it, Great things happen when we stop Hreshalan by two places. Stop you by to hear. Are we very glad? Us for good luck. He is actually a very intelligent speaker, but he tends to use the grammar of his own language. The Kapalan language has some similarities with Vernian. Also, their inability to speak fluent trade tongue speaks to a resistance to mental alteration. Together, these would imply the Kaplan are apes of the genus Latratus. Therefore, I would tentatively name them Latratus Capelli. They were willing to guide us to the end of the dark woods, or at least as close as they could come. They cannot venture too closely to the places where sun streams past the branches, for fear that it will blind them. Still, they understood our need for more light to see than they do. I think they pity us believing as they do that the lighted world is full of demons and monsters, more terrible than anyone could imagine. It took four days to reach the end of the dark woods, four days of scrambling through the leaf litter, tripping over roots, and crawling about on all fours. The last five hours were spent alone, our guide having left us behind. We had a bad few minutes until we finally reached the first dim light that led us forward. We cautiously made our way through, and then, ahead of us, we saw bright light. At first, it seemed like the sun was shining directly into our eyes, so accustomed had we become to the darkness. Then, as we crept closer, our eyes gradually adjusted. We could see the green. Green! A bright, blessed green. And flowers. Reds, yellows, blues and purples. I had not realised how much I missed colours until I saw them again. We rushed forward until we stood blinking in the sunlight, laughing. 
Torn danced and leapt and fell into the flowers, letting their pollen dust him until his clothes were streaked with yellow. The road is clear ahead of us. We are surrounded by trees, yes, but these are lively trees, and the wind is blowing through them. I feel the wind blowing around me as well. I could sit for an hour, just breathing in the fresh air. I built a small shrine by the side of the road to whatever god created that breeze. We made camp not far away. It was only afternoon, but it seemed we could use a rest among the flowers. I feel much better for it. Tomorrow is soon enough for us to get underway again. Crow Day, 23rd cycle, 7th year, 81st turn. 82nd day in the trees. I looked into the book again. It remains mostly incomprehensible, but today there are a few interesting passages. On the first page, I was able to read, In a hill over a lake there was a tomb. And in this tomb there lived a man named Elger Welv. He was not the intended resident of the tomb. That worthy man was near the back in a casket, and though he was not dead, neither did he live. Neither of them had left the tomb in over a hundred years. The king couldn't, and Elger was afraid. He feared death and age, but only the tomb's magic sustained him. It is indecipherable after that. There is a picture of a cave in a hill, surrounded by twisty branches and old underbrush. A human's face peeks out from the opening, and I can almost smell myrrh rising from the page. I wonder if it is a true story. Torn says that this is not the first such king he's heard of. Apparently, some kings choose to remain behind in case their people need them again. If you travel in the woods long enough, the odds that you will encounter one of these tombs becomes a near certainty. They are all over the woods and contain all manner of kings, knights, wizards and emperors, all waiting for the day when they will be needed again. Should you find yourself accidentally intruding on such a place, first take care not to run afoul of magical or physical traps. Even if they're no longer fully operational by the time you arrive, and they likely won't be, they may still destabilize the tomb, causing either a collapse or a chronotic unwinding event. If you meet with a guardian of the tomb or with its occupant, remember that it's impolite to tell them that the time has come when it really hasn't. It's not funny, and it causes headaches all around. I do not like the idea very much. Magic can grant immortality, true, but it is rarely satisfactory in the long run. I would not like to be the one to pay the price. The other entries are more cryptic and scattered throughout the book. They wear the bones of their enemies, but be not fooled, for they are of the blood. Walking in the sunlight, the pair moved where their friends could not. Final price will be a friendship. Will you know in time? Next to the last, there is a picture of chains and an open hand. It is strange, but I think that if I could just read the rest of the text, I would understand everything, including who gave us this book. I've also began carving Torn's walking stick. I believe I will carve his face into the top of it, where there is a thick knob of wood. Lower down, I will carve leaves and bells, I think. 
Hopefully, you will be pleased when I am finished. Thank you for listening. The Journal of Aphromos Long Journey is written by Dr. Everett Mann. You can browse Dr. Mann's articles and the other works of the library at wanderers-library.wikidot.com. This production is possible in large part because of our sponsors. John Beatty, Yesenia, Crowcat, Rounder House, Lan2D, and John Winfield. Check the description to find out how to support this channel and future projects like this. This production and content relating to the Wanderers Library is licensed under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0 and all concepts originate from the Wanderers Library wiki and its authors. This recording, being derived from this content, is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Gregory Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SAP Wiki. And we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people. Or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel, by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.